We want to move on now to the reading, proclaiming of God's word. And of course, this is Advent season, right? So we oftentimes are doing a a special sermon series uh, for these uh, four Sundays leading up to Christmas. This year, we're talking about Jesus and modern Christmas and really kind of emphasizing some of the things that can be stressful uh, all year long, but particularly uh, around the holidays. And our first two sermons, we're talking about family and busyness, and uh, both of those have uh, several things in common, but at least one very important thing in common in terms of our challenges around issues with family and busyness, and that thing uh, are boundaries, our personal boundaries, how we interact with people. And that's actually what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to look at Jesus and, and what he does and how he handles this issue of boundaries. So let's give our attention to the reading of God's word. Readings from the Gospel of John. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given it to us uh, for our benefit, for our good, that we might know you and follow you, uh, love you and love one another. Uh, But of course, we need your spirit for that. So Holy Spirit, please uh, be powerfully present here. Apply uh, these words to our lives, to our hearts and help us to uh, follow Jesus and uh, joyfully obey him. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Last year, uh, our family started a tradition uh, that uh, the movie Elf would kick off our Christmas season. We watch it the Friday after Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving. You probably have seen it. Will Ferrell plays a man named Buddy, who was raised by elves uh, at Santa Claus's North Pole residence. Uh, But he is a human, and he goes on a quest to find his human father, and hilarity ensues. Uh, I realized this year that Elf, this movie, is really about boundaries. It's what makes it funny. Buddy, Will Ferrell's character, he doesn't understand the boundaries of our current culture, like you can't put maple syrup on spaghetti, You can't enter a bathroom where a woman is singing in the shower and do a duet with her. 
You can't scrape up chewed gum from the subway station banisters and put it in your mouth and chew it. Buddy has no boundaries except his feelings about Santa and his family. And that's the comedy. But the tipping point of the movie is Buddy's father, Walter, played by James Caan, when he finally realizes and forces the right boundaries. Walter has another son, a young teenager named Michael, and Michael doesn't like his dad. He tells Buddy that all his dad cares about is work and money. But earlier, we saw how Walter couldn't say no to his boss. The division in their company was in trouble. The boss says, I'm going to be back in town on the 24th, and I want to hear your proposal for what we're doing going forward. And Walter says, "Uh, wait, uh, the 24th, that's Christmas Eve. And his boss says, and? And Walter replies, "Uh, no problem. Be great to have you in the loop. So we fast forward to Christmas Eve. Buddy has run away. Michael, the son, bursts into the presentation Walter's making to his boss and the board. It's Christmas Eve evening, and Michael wants his dad's help to find Buddy. And Walter says to his son, "Uh, let me finish this meeting, and then we'll figure it out, okay? And Michael responds, figure out what? Buddy cares about everybody. All you care about is yourself. And Walter replies, hey, Michael, wait. Then he says to his boss, we're going to have to reschedule this, Mr. Greenway. We don't have time to reschedule, the boss says. I want to hear the darn thing now. Well, can't we do this another time, Mr. Greenway? I flew in just to hear this pitch, and I intend to. Walter says, it's, it's going to have to wait. If you want to keep your job, Hobbs, you will pitch me this book right now. And Walter says, well, up yours. And he fist bumps his son, and then they leave to go find Buddy. Michael and Buddy got their dad back. The problem wasn't that he loved money. It's that he feared men. Why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about boundaries? Because all of us in here sometimes say yes when we really mean no, and sometimes say no when we really should say yes. Why can so many of us feel stressed out and stretched so thin during this season? Because we struggle with boundaries. What are boundaries? Boundaries help us legitimately identify what are our responsibilities and what are not our responsibilities. And sincere Christians can really struggle with this because they're attempting to follow Jesus, Jesus who gave himself away for others. It can feel like enforcing personal boundaries is not loving. It's self-centered, self-absorbed. So what can happen is that you give and give and give and you get exhausted and you feel taken advantage of. And then you close down, you protect, you shut out, shut out, shut out. It can become this back and forth seesaw because we don't understand boundaries. But Jesus did. As you read through the Gospels, the accounts of Jesus' earthly ministry, you come to realize Jesus was fantastic at enforcing his own personal boundaries. If you look at Jesus, you must conclude it is necessary, loving, and possible to have and maintain boundaries. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at what Jesus does, how he enforces boundaries. We're going to see several things. First, why are boundaries necessary? Well, because we need more than people's approval or support. We need more than people's approval or support. First, let me give you some examples of Jesus enforcing his own boundaries by saying no. These are summaries, and I can give you the Bible references later if you want them. So his hometown in Nazareth asks him for miracles. Jesus says no. Other towns want him to stay with him. Jesus says no. 
His brothers say, come up to the feast with us. No. Enemies say, show us a sign to prove yourself. No. Tell us where you got your authority from. No. Can you speak more plainly in fewer parables? No. A stranger says, I want to follow you wherever you go. No. Another says, let me come with you. No. Tell my brother to split the inheritance with me. Tell my sister to get off her keister and help me. No. Your mother and brothers want to see you. No. His disciples say, can we sit on your left and right when you come in your kingdom? No. Can you tell us when you're coming back in your kingdom? No. Jesus says no with his feet as well. He has an unusual relationship with crowds. He often hides out in desolate places. He goes up uh, mountains by himself to pray. He takes his disciples away from Galilee to teach them, or they travel through Judea incognito because he wants to be left alone to teach them. One of my favorite passages about this is Matthew 8, 18. Jesus apparently was in a boat in the Sea of Galilee, and it says, Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, right? Jesus saw people coming, and he went in the opposite direction. I picture something like the Wizard of Oz leaving in the hot air balloon. The amount of times Jesus withdraws from people, the amount of times he leaves or dismisses a crowd, the amount of times he just says no flat out, it's really astonishing to us for someone who is the embodiment of love. Why is Jesus love incarnate like this? Why does he have this strange relationship with crowds? Why does he say no so much? Well, we look at our first passage here from the beginning of John's Gospel, chapter 2. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. This very accurately describes how Jesus interacts with crowds and individuals throughout the Gospels. Jesus enforced these boundaries because he didn't need people's approval or acclaim, and he didn't want to be used or manipulated by them. He had no fear of man. He wasn't a people pleaser. And this is usually the problem with our poor or misplaced boundaries. Because of our fear of man, our people pleasing, we need to fit in. We are overcommitted. We say yes to too much. We need our spouse's or parents' approval and our children to be happy. We need to compare favorably with others, even while we find ourselves envious and jealous of them. We fear being exposed or revealed as imposters. One or two people can regularly make our days miserable. We cover things up with white lies. and We avoid people and shut them out. You might not think of yourself as a people pleaser. If you know me, you probably don't think of me as a people pleaser. But most of us do fear someone or some class or group of people. We fear saying no to them. This past week, just this past week, I received an email request from someone who's not a member here. But this person I deeply respect and trust and I have a good relationship with and I count as a friend And they were asking for information about a particular situation. And they wanted to hear what I was doing about it. Something about the request felt wrong to me. And I eventually wrote that, you know, we had different roles and spheres. It would be inappropriate for me to share more information at this time. I hope they understood, etc., etc. It was an easy, short message. It was pretty clear what the right thing to do was. 
While there are questions of biblical wisdom and how to best love people, the real issue for me was my boundaries. The email request ruined hours of my day off on Thursday, which is why I'm announcing a new boundary for me. From now on, I'm not checking email between the hours of 8 p.m. on Wednesday and 6 a.m. on Friday. Just so you know, I love you, and I'll get back to you on Friday. If there's an emergency, call me, but call Chitty first. (laughs) On Thursday, right? Just Thursday. Why was I so upset? Because I felt like a boundary was being crossed, and I was afraid of enforcing it. I was afraid of telling this person no, because I liked and respected them, and I wanted them to like and respect me. Like I said, I wrote a very simple and straightforward email basically just saying no to their request. But it sent me hours to send and get the wording right. And true to my estimation of them, they wrote back and agreed with me, saying they understood. They recognized this was a boundary that shouldn't be crossed. And I was relieved. But what's the big deal about this people-pleasing? So what if you say yes sometimes when you really mean no? Well, it means that your action and your service isn't coming from a place of love. It's coming from a place of fear, where your status, reputation, comfort, being liked is more important than honesty. Jesus says to let your yes be yes and your no, no. And it's not only for your sake. Because if you're saying yes to people when you should be saying no, then you're oftentimes doing for people what they should be doing for themselves. You're allowing people to not take responsibility for themselves. Now, some of you here are listening and saying, yes, Bob, you're right. I need to say no more. I need to have clearer boundaries. But you might be the person who's actually breaking boundaries. It takes two to have a boundary problem. There's the person who doesn't enforce proper boundaries, and then there's the person who breaks those boundaries. Which one are you? There's a fairly simple test. Which feeling is stronger as you go through the day? A general background fear of letting people down or a general anger or victimhood that most people let you down? Do you have to come through for people or do people have to come through for you? Some of us take on responsibility of others. Some of us expect others to take responsibility for us. Neither are loving or move us towards healthy maturity. And we're talking about this because Jesus presents a striking contrast, right? As we look again at this first passage, he doesn't put his trust in people. He doesn't need others to come through for him. He isn't depending on their approval or witness. He doesn't seem afraid of letting others down. Now, why is he like that? Because he gets those things where he's supposed to get them from, a relationship with his heavenly father. Look at the second passage from John 5. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, 
And I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. The father loves the son, and the father bears witness, testifies about the son. The way we move away from people-pleasing or people-blaming is by becoming God-fearing. And God-fearing for us means finding our identity and purpose in being God's children. We'll talk more about that in a moment, but I I first want us to see that, that when we have and enforce the right boundaries, we need people less and actually can love them more. When we need people less, we can love them more. You see, our current culture's antidote to this problem of boundaries is to ruthlessly cut people out of our lives, ghost them or cancel them. If they bring negativity or messiness or burdens, then drop them. And don't you dare count on anyone to come through for you. If you expect nothing from people, you won't be let down. This is the path many of today's successful people say to happiness. These people aren't living within healthy boundaries. They're living behind thick walls, and their humanity is diminished. And this is the fear of skepticism we might have with boundaries, that they become walls, only serving our egos and comfort. But that's not how boundaries worked for Jesus. When does Jesus say no or enforce boundaries? Well, when hostile people or enemies are trying to trap him or get him to prove himself. When crowds want to control or use him for their own ends. Even his disciples, when they want to speed up the process of sanctification or providence, Jesus says, no. But Jesus doesn't cut off or ghost any of these groups of people. He continues interacting with crowds and enemies. He is available and accessible to them, but he chooses when to engage and disengage. Francis Schaeffer had this to say about Jesus. He never gave anyone unlimited time, but he did give everyone who came to him unhurried time. Unhurried time. Jesus was willing willing to honestly and significantly engage anyone who came to him, high or low, enemy or friend. His boundaries weren't walls. It wasn't unlimited, but Jesus did give unhurried time and attention. And in that way, he showed everyone dignity. And we can do likewise. Here's something else that's fascinating. Sometimes Jesus enforced boundaries that were surprising to his contemporaries, like he was often cryptic and confrontational with the powerful and elite. Then other times, people, including his disciples, tried to enforce boundaries for Jesus around him, and he rejected that. I bet you can think of a few. Like when people, probably parents, tried to bring their little children to Jesus to bless him, to bless them, and his disciples stopped them, right? And Jesus rebuked his disciples and said, let the little children come to me. Or when Jesus is walking out of Jericho and blind Bartimaeus is crying out to him, and the people are shushing Bartimaeus, Jesus doesn't have time for this scammer, they're thinking. But Jesus stops and calls to him and restores his sight. One time, a man named Jairus asked Jesus to heal his sick little girl. And while on the way to her, a woman touches Jesus in the crowd. And because of her faith, her chronic illness is healed. Jesus stops and wants to know her story. This sounds like a guy who has no boundaries. And while this is happening, word comes that Jairus' daughter is dead. Because Jesus couldn't stay focused and enforce his boundaries. And then those around him say, why trouble the teacher any longer? The girl is dead. They thought death was a boundary for Jesus. 
Of course, Jesus continues on and raises the little girl to life. You see, Jesus' boundaries, are, or what sometimes look like lack of boundaries, are simply a product of him doing what he sees the Father doing. We can turn it into a pretty simple and elegant rule. When people come to God out of hostility or presumption, trying to use and manipulate him, he says no. He has boundaries. When people come to God out of desperation, crying for help, hoping that God is loving and powerful enough to do something, he has no boundaries. And very briefly, as an aside, there is one other category of boundary Jesus has, and that's rest. He withdraws with his disciples to physically rest, and and that rest almost always includes devoted prayer time. We know from the Old Testament, God gave a weekly pattern of work and rest. One in seven days, you rest from work. And part of that rest day involved directly engaging or worshiping God. We also know that the apostles stopped what they were doing and prayed roughly every three hours during the day. Physical rest and spiritual engagement were essential to Jesus and worth protecting. Don't think you can do without them. But back to the larger point, we should enforce boundaries when people are trying to manipulate or control us or artificially speed up a process like personal growth or reconciliation. It's not loving to allow people to get from you what they should be responsible for themselves. However, it is loving to do for others what they cannot and will not be able to do for themselves. And that's how we see Jesus navigate this question. Jesus does it because he knows who he is. He is the son. And his father approves of him. And so he will do the father's will. He fears the father, not the people. So because Jesus doesn't need people to affirm him, he is free to love them. Boundaries actually free you to love and serve people rather than fear and depend on them. And that's only possible when there is someone greater to fear and depend upon. And that's God. Of course, that can be hard to do, to find our identity and dependence in God, because we often do what others were doing to Jesus. We presume what God's boundaries are, what he can and cannot do, what he will and will not do. God is dealing with bigger things than this little issue of mine. God doesn't want my friendship. He just wants my obedience. There's no point in crying out to God, I've been so unfaithful. God isn't going to do anything about this problem. He hasn't for years of my asking, why would he now? We put boundaries around God. We also put boundaries around other people. On a very lighter note, people presume false boundaries around me all the time. Right? As their pastor, they'll say, I I don't want to bother you. You have heavier, more important things to deal with than my stuff. And the people I do meet with apologize that they're taking my time. And others tell me they just assume I'm, I'm too busy to reach out to. Now listen, you deserve a pastor who can enforce his own boundaries. If it's up to you all to keep my boundaries for me so that I don't burn out, then I shouldn't be a pastor. Now that's the light note. Here's more serious. This is what we often do when someone is really suffering. Often we'll say, ah, oh, we're going to give them space. Right? We're here for you. Let us know if you need us. We don't want to intrude or be a burden. We, we don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. We're afraid of saying or doing the wrong thing and making it worse. But most of us have experienced pain and suffering, and we know. It's better to have pain acknowledged 
and something stupid said than to not have it acknowledged at all. We build artificial boundaries around hurting and suffering people, maybe because we care about them and don't know what to do, but maybe more because we want to remain comfortable instead of fumbling around and not knowing what to do or how to help. We might say we're protecting them, but actually we're protecting ourselves, building boundaries around us to keep others hurt out. That's the opposite point of boundaries when they're being abused. And so finally, our boundaries must be cross-shaped. Cross-shaped, another word for that is cruciform. This is what I mean. We see in the Gospels, Jesus explicitly did not use boundaries to keep others hurt out. Look at the final passage from John 12. Jesus said, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Jesus is talking about going to the cross. Why? To take upon himself all of our hurts. Why does Jesus say no so much? Why does he have such firm boundaries? Because for this purpose, he came to this hour. He must get to the cross to be the savior of the whole world, the disciples who abandon him, the crowds who want to use him, the enemies who want to destroy him, the multitudes who've never heard of him. All of Jesus' knows were about getting him to his death and resurrection. His boundaries were cross-shaped. So all of the boundaries or walls that kept us from God are now flung open in Jesus. Your sin isn't a boundary. Your doubt isn't a boundary. Your weakness isn't a boundary. Your insignificance isn't a boundary. Your unloveliness isn't a boundary. Your death isn't a boundary. As Paul asks in Romans 8, if God did not withhold his only son from us, how will he not along with him give us all things. Jesus' death on the cross is God's resounding eternal yes to you. The only boundary now is yours, whether or not you trust Jesus. Remember, Jesus had boundaries because he did not put his trust in people, and that can be the same for us. We don't have to put our trust in people. We don't have to depend on their acceptance. We can put our trust in Jesus instead, who gave up all boundaries in his crucifixion. So our boundaries can be cross-shaped as well. These help us know God through Jesus and help others know God through Jesus too. We don't take responsibility for people, doing for them what they could do for themselves, because that deprives them of having to deal with God and grow. We won't depend on others for approval and affirmation because that puts them in the place of God for us. Cross-shaped boundaries enable you to show everyone dignity. You have the emotional, spiritual, and psychological resources to engage anyone. No one gets canceled or ghosted. Cross-shaped boundaries have lots of doors and gates, particularly for suffering people who have nowhere to go. Will we make mistakes with this? Of course. But if our boundaries are cross-shaped, then we will be quick to ask forgiveness of others. We will be quick 
to confess to God and receive forgiveness from him. Our sister church, uh, Grace Silicon Valley in Palo Alto, they work with a homeless ministry up there that provides food and spiritual support to homeless individuals around Caltrain stations. The founder and leader of the ministry uh, was at one point homeless and an addict himself. And he told the pastor in Palo Alto, David Jones, his story. He had been an addict for years, in and out of rehab. He always could expect help from his mom. He could always land back home. And it wasn't until his mom finally kicked him out, refused him any more help, that he hit rock bottom. And once he had no more enablers, once he received a firm no from his mom, he had to face himself. And that was the beginning of him truly getting clean. On the cross, Jesus hit our rock bottom facing the judgment, wrath, and abandonment of God due us. He took God's eternal no to us, absorbed it, and made it an eternal yes. If Jesus hit our real rock bottom for us, then by trusting in him, we have all the love and approval possible from God. We don't need to fear or impress people. We don't have to say yes to everything that comes down the pike. We don't have to build status or reputation. We don't have to build walls and shut people out. Cross-shaped boundaries enable us to love people well, need them less, and get what we truly need from God, who tore down all his boundaries for us at the cross. Let's pray for that now. God, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to live and die on our behalf. We're grateful, Jesus, that You knew who you were. You knew that you belonged to the Father and that he would glorify you and you had approval from him so that you could say no to others, that you might get to the cross and give all of us an eternal yes. Would you help us to hear that and believe that this morning? Help us uh, to navigate this time of year and and all the year. Uh, Help us to know that that we don't have to find approval and acclamation from others. Instead, we have it in you. Help us to know that we don't have to provide for others what only you can provide for them. Help us to live cross-shaped lives with cross-shaped boundaries that many might hear and know that you are the Savior. Help us to do that now, we pray. Jesus, in your name, amen.